Hello, 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 and welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. This episode number 113. My name is Alex Reamer. It is Saturday, April 23rd. Always a pleasure to speak with you all. A great way to celebrate the weekend. Thank you for listening each and every week. Uh, gonna touch on a number of topics on the show here today. We're gonna do some hockey. We're gonna do some World Cup soccer. We're even gonna talk a little WWE. That's right. World Wrestling Entertainment, an old love of mine. One of the first podcasts I ever started was the No Holds Barred Wrestling Podcast. So looking forward to returning to my roots a bit later on. But let's start off with uh, a subject that we can all uh, galvanize around, and that is hunky sports figures, right? How about that? Who doesn't like talking about hunky sports figures, right? In particular, an article on Queer Tea. Five hunky sports figures who are hashtag flipping exhausted over anti-trans sports bans. Now, I mentioned this story for a couple of reasons. Number one, I wrote an article for Outsports this week about the flipping exhausted hashtag. Just as some brief background, a number of NCAA gymnasts over the last week have tweeted that hashtag flipping exhausted to protest anti-trans sports bans on Outsports. I wrote about a couple of them, Connor McCool and Mia Teikawa, both of whom compete for the University of Illinois. They tweeted the flipping exhausted hashtag before the NCAA championships were held last weekend. And that's important to note because the men's championships were held in Oklahoma, which uh, has been the home of a number of anti-LGBTQ and anti-trans bills and policies, including a recent ban on trans athletes. Uh... uh, playing sports in accordance to their gender identity. And Texas, of course, has been kind of the chilling ground zero for anti-trans legislation. Uh, Greg Abbott's disgusting order uh, definitely headlines this list, announcing that delivering gender-affirming medical treatments to transgender kids constitutes child abuse under state law. It stipulates that doctors, nurses, and teachers are legally now required to report parents who help their children in receiving such care. So if you're a parent and you have a transgender child and you want them to receive the proper medical care, gender-affirming treatments, uh, that is now child abuse, according to the law in the state of Texas. So that's pretty harrowing stuff and pretty cool that a number of NCAA gymnasts, before competing in the championships, last week in Oklahoma and Texas, used their platforms for good and tweeted the flipping exhausted message. So it was my pleasure to write up this story, especially because, and this is where we return to the article, five hunky sports figures who are flipping exhausted over anti-trans sports bans. We have, in this article, the aforementioned Connor McCool, a nice uh, shirtless Instagram picture of him, is at the top of the page. We have Mason Merrick, another former, a former collegiate gymnast who also has a hunky Instagram picture in the water embedded in this article. We have Donovan Hewitt, a gymnast for, for Ohio State. Again, another hunky shirtless picture of him uh, embedded in this article. We have Blake Bonkowski, who is the co-host of the LGBTQ gymnastics podcast, Half In half out, and then, bringing up the rear, number five, the fifth hunkiest sports figure who is flipping exhausted over anti-trans sports bans, 
is yours truly. I'm in there. Yes, Alex Reamer. And in it, they have a hunky shirtless photo of me. Ah, I've made the big time. I've made the big time. Reamer helped draw attention to the flipping exhausted hashtag by writing an article about it for the LGBTQ sports website OutSports, where he serves as deputy managing editor. All right. I won't bore you with the rest of the paragraphs about me, but I'm a hunk. Oh, it's exciting. And it's actually funny because this week, I mean, I will say, I've been receiving a lot of new follows on the gram, some new DMs on the gram, and I've been wondering, oh, about time everyone's finally discovering me. Finally, I get my due. And now I find out that it's due to Queerty for this article, Hunky Sports Figures. And let's see, there are 10 comments, um, none of which are actually about the hunks in the article, all of which are about, well, a lot of them are kind of bigoted anti-trans remarks. So that's a bummer. That's a bummer. I was hoping to go through the comments, get some additional self-affirmation that way. But I guess appearing as one of the five hunky sports figures who's flipping exhausted over anti-trans sports bands will have to do. So hey, that's pretty awesome. I just felt like sharing that. Um, now on for the slightly less, uh, self-aggrandizing portion of the show. I got a message on Twitter this week from a listener named Eric Mendoza, who had some thoughts on our episode a couple weeks ago about MLB Pride Nights, and my point was that every pro sports league does some sort of pride or inclusion night, but Pride Nights in baseball are just a little more special to me. I think that these events just have a special place in the LGBTQ community that maybe some other Pride Nights don't. And I came up with the theory, the groundbreaking theory, really, that, well, Pride Month is June. Most of these Pride Nights in baseball take place during June. And voila, there you have it. Well, Eric Mendoza just wanted to give the MLS its due. He said, I think that MLS has incorporated itself much more into the queer community. If you've ever been to a New England Revolution game, you always see pride and trans flags flying in tailgates and during the game. The Midnight Riders, the Rev Supporter Group, marches annually in the Pride Parade, and in 2019, Scott Caldwell of the Revolution became the first pro player to march in the parade. And just like the Red Sox, the Revolution have their Pride Night in June as well. So, sorry to the New England Revolution. Sorry to Major League Soccer as a whole. Eric, thank you for the message. Yes, MLS also does a great job with their pride festivities as well. Um, All right, so we've already talked about hunks. We've talked about pride nights in baseball and soccer. Now let's move on to hockey. Uh, There was a story this week in The Athletic about a topic that we've covered a few times before on the show and on OutSports about the evolving culture of the NHL in which overt homophobia is less widespread than it used to be, players and coaches say title of the article exactly is, in the NHL, homophobic language has become less overt and tougher to eradicate by Mark Lazarus. And it's an interesting story. I encourage everybody to read it. Uh, You know, there's still work to be done. A veteran Eastern Conference player told Lazarus that gay slurs are still heard on the ice, albeit less frequently. You've had a few incidents in the American Hockey League this season. A player has recently suspended eight games homophobic language so it's far from perfect in the hockey world in the NHL 
It's getting a little more covert, which, as the article says, is tougher to officiate and tougher to police. But the overt homophobia, the homophobic slurs on the ice in particular, do seem to be on the mend. Again, players and coaches quoted in the article say that. And one of the players who says that is Andrew Shaw. And I mentioned Andrew Shaw because he said one of the most vile anti-gay slurs on national TV in the middle of an NHL playoff game six years ago. Shaw was a longtime member of the Chicago Blackhawks, playing seven seasons for them. And in the 2016 NHL playoffs, excuse me, I hit my microphone there. Hope that didn't sound too bad in your ears. But in the 2016 NHL playoffs, uh, Andrew Shaw, who retired last year, uh, yelled effing F-word from the penalty box towards an official, uh, which of course, as I said, is probably the most repulsive slur you can say about a gay person, and he said it right in the middle of a playoff game on national TV. Uh, So Shaw says that. Afterwards, he goes through the suspension and retirement song and dance. He says he's sincerely sorry for his insensitive remarks. The NHL suspends him for for a playoff game. And then what? Well, what happened next is the most important thing. It's more important than any suspension. It's more important than any requisite apology. What happened next is Andrew Shaw listened. After his incident, he listened to gay people and members of the LGBTQ community, much like Tom Brenneman, who we talked about on the show a few weeks ago, after his incident, how he's put in the work in the LGBTQ community, talking to people in his native Cincinnati, getting a better grasp of these issues and why that F word hurts so much. Well, it sounds like Shaw did something similar, and he now says he's grateful for that experience because it opened his eyes to a world of which he was ignorant. And today, Shaw says he's committed to eradicating the casual homophobia that pervades locker rooms. This is, I think, the most poignant quote that he has in the story. As we all grow up and learn, you meet people and friends and you meet people and have friends and family in that community. They help you learn what they go through in their everyday life, and you realize that words can hurt, and they cut deep. Since then, I've changed. I made sure I took it out of my vocabulary. And that's a great message from Andrew Shaw, and it shows that again, as we talked about last week with Magic Johnson and how he came to love his gay son, people can change, and Even somebody like Andrew Shaw, who again said the F word during a playoff game on national TV, that's pretty bad. And he was suspended and he was rightfully excoriated in some circles for that word. And since then, though, he's put in the work, he's listened, and now he says he's a changed person. And that is, again, the ultimate goal. I always say this. When somebody, an athlete, a sports figure, a person of note, anybody, when anybody says a gay slur, the F word, what have you, what do we want the takeaway to be? We want them to ultimately change and take that word out of their vocabulary. So credit to Andrew Shaw for doing that and credit to him for, again, putting in the work and listening because we can talk about the importance of the LGBTQ community educating on these issues and not turning people away who make mistakes or say regretful things. But that openness goes both ways. It's also up to that individual 
to listen to us and to change their behavior and make an effort to truly understand. And Andrew Shaw seems like he did that. So I thought that was an interesting piece from the athletic story this week. Speaking of interesting, uh, I think that the lesbian head of Norwegian soccer had some interesting remarks this week about the World Cup taking place in Qatar. Uh, You may be wondering, hmm, the lesbian head of Norwegian soccer, not usually somebody we talk about a lot on the show, but uh, in this case, again, I think she had cool, uh, interesting comments. Uh, Lice Claveness is the president of the Norwegian Football Federation, and she's decided to speak out about the LGBTQ rights issues in Qatar, questioning whether LGBTQ fans will be safe in the country. At the FIFA Congress last month, she said Qatar must suspend all anti-LGBTQ laws, at least during the World Cup. She said they have starting selling tickets, but the bans are still enforced. We must ensure that these laws are suspended during the World Cup and that it be made public. And I applaud her for making these remarks, especially in light of what one of the leading security officials in Qatar said earlier this month about rainbow flags at the World Cup. Just absolutely egregious here. So uh, one of the top security officials in Qatar spoke to the press, and he said that rainbow flags at games might be confiscated for the safety of the fans waving them. How insulting is that? So one of the head people of security, one of the head security people in Qatar says that rainbow flags may be confiscated at World Cup games to protect LGBTQ people because people may react violently. We can't control how people react. So we'll take the flag and eliminate the problem. Really? Come on. And this is a direct quote from that security official. Watch the game. That's good. But don't really come in and insult the whole society because of this. So the Qatari security apparatus apparently feels as if holding and waving the rainbow flag or the trans flag or any flag supporting LGBTQ people is, quote, an insult to the whole society. And oh yeah, they're going to confiscate those flags for your safety to look out for you. That's gross. Definitely something to keep our eye on. And we talk a lot, rightfully so, around the Olympics, about the national media and the international media really whitewashing the horrific human rights records of some of these Olympic hosts, Russia, and most recently China, come to mind. Well, be on the lookout for something very similar to happen in Qatar around the World Cup. And if it does, you know we'll be all over it here on Outsports. Let's close out the show with some wrestling, should we? Some good old-fashioned wrestling. I mentioned I'm a former wrestling podcaster here, so let me get back into my old mode. Uh, Brian Bell is one of our great contributors at Outsports. They primarily cover wrestling in the mixed martial arts world for us, and they had a story this week about the WWE making light of same-sex couples on its signature show, Monday Night Raw. Now, the segment in question 
featured the storyline wedding of two on-screen WWE couples. Uh, A wrestler named R-Truth was the officiant for this wedding, which took place on Raw Monday night. The couples played a game of musical chairs, switching partners multiple times after being asked if anyone objected to the setup. Of course, they did not. And one of those switches saw the pair poured up, a pair saw the four paired up, excuse me, in same-sex couples. And the crowd held hands and cheered. When this happened, the in-ring wedding parties also cheered. Two out pro wrestlers on stage, Kayla Sparks and Eden Von Engeland, also cheered. And then our truth said this. He said, y'all are going to get me fired. And then said, I'm not even sure this is PG. And all the while, the crowd was also chanting, Jerry, Jerry. Which is in reference to Jerry Springer, which was a trash TV show throughout the 90s. Um, so what's the takeaway here? Obviously, you don't want to make too, too much of a WWE storyline wedding. But the point here is, the WWE did jab at same-sex couples. I mean, R-Truth said, I'm not even sure this is PG. When the two tag teams wound up in same-sex pairings, he said it in jest. I'm sure he didn't mean it seriously. Kayla Sparks actually spoke to Brian. She said afterwards that she knows that R-Truth is a good guy. He's been an ally to her, the community as a whole. She doesn't think he meant any malice, but still... The crowd was chanting, Jerry, Jerry, R-Truth says that. You get the picture, same-sex couples, kind of taboo in the WWE's eyes in 2022. And that's so not cool, especially for an organization that struggled to, let's just say, tastefully uh, talk about or surface LGBTQ issues in the past. And as Brian mentions in their story, this is an especially fraught time. For our community, we have over 300 anti-LGBTQ bills circulating in legislatures throughout the country, many of which are anti-trans, but you hear talk about grooming and the sexual exploitation of children, which is a lot of the commentary that came up with Florida's uh, Don't Say Gay Bill, which ban- which, bar- uh, which curtails classroom discussion about, LG- about sexual orientation and gender identity from kindergarten through third grade, and then says that it must be age-appropriate after that. The vagueness is the point. It really seems like it's primed to set up this silencing culture. Uh, Tennessee had a failed bill that uh, created this whole separate version of marriage that explicitly outlined LGBT, uh, that explicitly barred, excuse me, LGBTQ people from taking part. Uh, So it also um, didn't have any age limits for marriage, which (laughs) I think is ultimately why It was uh, not passed, but uh, the rhetoric is getting scarier and scarier, and seemingly overnight, we've had this huge turn in not just anti-LGBTQ sentiment, but anti-gay sentiment, and given the culture and what's being said and the WWE's platform, and let's face it, the WWE does speak to a lot of those people uh, to portray same-sex couples in April of 2022 as some sort of joke just does not sit well with me. And as Brian mentioned, especially given 
the culture right now, it doesn't sit well. So bad job there by the WWE. Um, But good job by all of you for sticking it through, listening to episode 113 of the podcast. As always, I appreciate your listenership. If you have any comments, concerns, guest ideas, what have you, shoot me a line. DM is the best way to do it. My Twitter name is at AlexDreamer1. That again is at AlexDreamer1. So long, everybody. I'll talk to you next, next Saturday.